When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. This is the Tar Heel Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. This is Coach Banghart Live, brought to you by the Carolina Club, your social and business club in Chapel Hill, and your connection to fellow Tar Heels and friends of Carolina. Now, here's your host, Matt Krause. And welcome in to our season debut edition of the Courtney Banghart Show, talking all things Carolina women's basketball with now the second year head coach of the Tar Heels, Courtney Banghart. My name is Matt Krause, radio play-by-play voice of Carolina women's basketball. Normally, this is when I would say seated next to the head coach of the Tar Heels, Courtney Banghart. But alas, as with many things in 2020, we've gone virtual. I'm broadcasting from my home studio Coach Banghart joining me via Zoom from her office on campus in Carmichael Arena. Coach, we really wish we could be at the Carolina Club with all of our great fans, but alas, not meant to be. Yeah, man, I miss those people already. Um, I, I'm used to seeing some familiar faces, and the food at the Carolina Club is pretty hard to beat. So, um, But I'm glad to see your face and excited that it means we're, uh, we're getting on game day. Yeah, you're right about that Carolina Club food. JR and his staff do a great job taking care of us. We really, really will miss them throughout this season. You said it, Carolina plays games this week. By the time you listen to this podcast, it will be game day as Carolina takes on Radford on Wednesday. Then the weekend brings UNCG and High Point to Carmichael Arena. So a trio of games to get this season started. And we could do a whole episode of this show about 
the world of basketball in a pandemic, but we'll keep it to just this opening segment. And I'll ask you, just going through all this, how are you as, as a person leading into this first game and the season upon us now? You know, we're, we're good. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to have an opportunity to do what we love with the people we love, right? Um, it's going to be, it is going to feel different. You know, we've done a lot of changes to the, to Carmichael to try to, you know, to try to make up for some of those empty seats. Um, and there's some differences in terms of what our bench is going to look like and, and all that. So there's some things we'll have to get used to. Um, you know, we've been coaching in a mask now for 65 days or whatever, it, whatever it's been um, since the kids have been back. But um, yeah, lots of differences, but the, the, the game is played inside the lines and, and, and I know our kids are ready to do that. Yeah, have you gotten used to coaching in a mask yet? I don't know if one ever gets used to coaching in a mask, but I do say I actually, you know, it's funny. I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went on our off day, I went to golf nine holes and I wore my mask the entire time and I was outside, <laughs> but I just, I barely realized I had it on. So yeah, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty familiar with it. And if it allows our kids to have a better chance to, to play the season that they want to play, I'm all in. You talk about the season being upon us and basketball being played inside the lines, but with all of these various protocols, Practice has obviously looked a little bit different leading up to this season. How so? Oh boy, gosh, a lot. I think one of the main things that, that we've got going on is that we, you know, we, the kids, when they get water, they're sort of separated from one another, um, you know, and, you know, there is a separation of your mask that, that you can't see your smile or your true emotion, I think at all, all times, but, you know, every, every program in the country is doing it. And, um, you know, we, we just, the other option is to not practice and not play. And, and that's not an option I'm excited about either. So uh, yeah, it is a little bit different. It'll feel different at times, but um, yeah, I think I'd rather talk about what's exciting about the year versus the, the challenge that is this pandemic. And we'll break down the roster in full in our next couple of segments. But the highlights of that is that you've only got four returners from last season. So many new faces with this highly touted recruiting class, three transfers, including two of which joined the program in this offseason. So, so many new faces that you're getting incorporated into your system. What are the difficulties in trying to instruct and instill that sense of a team when it's so hard to be together? Yeah, you know, well, fortunately, they've been here for so long now, and the only people they're really allowed to talk to are each other. So in a way, it's really exposed to how well this group gets along. And I don't know if every team in the country would benefit from that, but we have. Um, we've really benefited from the time together um, because we've asked them to really bubble themselves with one another within a six foot or outside of a six foot space. Um, so yeah, there's lots of new faces, 100%. And that, that presents both uh, great energy and opportunity and accountability. It also presents some challenges and a lack of experience and, and things that we haven't seen as many things. The older your team is, the more things you've seen. Um, and so I'm, we're approaching this newness with patience um, and with uh, tremendous hope. Game day is upon us here. What will game day look like in a socially distanced world? I know you mentioned a couple of things about the benches being six feet apart, but what are some of the differences that the fans will be able to see through the TV since they won't be allowed to be in Carmichael at least to start the season? Yeah, you know, one thing is, is that the, we had to switch our bench to the other side so that there was more space um, to be able to have five rows because you can, yeah, again, to, to have six feet both east-west and north-south means it requires a ton of space. Um, and so that's that's different. You'll also, when we're in timeouts, you know, the group that's in the game with a mask um, on, uh, in the timeout, we'll be able to, we'll be sitting in those stools and then everybody else will be six foot further away from them. Um, so it's gonna be a lot of telephone, you know, in terms of how we communicate messages and things like that. Um, but, you know, but besides that, honestly, Matt, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm such a basketball 
uh, purist. I mean, the game will be played inside the lines and the kids who are in the game will not be wearing a mask and the kids that are out will be separated from one another and wearing masks. So focus on what's happening in the game and you won't notice a ton of difference, I hope. Kind of leads me into my next question and the last one on this whole pandemic topic to get things started. You hear a lot the coach speak phrase of control your controllables, but especially in a season like this one with so much uncertainty through the preseason, just getting the schedule in your hands in the last couple of days and a very minimal run up to the season. And then the uncertainty of what lies ahead once you go into the process of actually playing the season, how important is controlling your controllables this year? Yeah, I mean, approach each game with gratitude because there's a good chance you you, you are playing it in other scenarios. Um, you know, and I think what where the crowd for the for the fans who like the roster, the whole roster, which like myself, I like the whole roster. This is a year you're going to love because what would typically you wake up with a bit of a stuffy nose and you just sort of take some take some Tylenol and you play the game. A stuffy nose now gets treated really differently. Um, a stomach, uh, some stomach pain gets treated very differently now, um, and so. Um, there'll be every, every given game. We, we always start, we just had our meeting about tomorrow's game and it was who's active and who's inactive. And, um, that, that will be way more fluid than ever before. Um, because that doesn't even account for ankle sprains or other such things that actually are, are, are more major. Um, so yeah, the fluidity of the lineup will make this year really fun to watch because you will know the, 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 the roster, um, one through 12 really well, cause they'll, they'll all play pivotal roles, but we got to stay flexible and nimble and, um, make sure that all 12 are ready because, you might be one of six that are addressed that game. We'll enter into an in-depth breakdown of that 12 in our next segment here on the Courtney Banghart Show, virtual edition. We wish we were at the Carolina Club, but we can still tell you that it's your social membership club in Chapel Hill and your connection to fellow Tar Heels and Friends of Carolina. The club offers exceptional dining, an unbeatable location for UNC sporting events, a full calendar of social, business, family, and community affairs, and access to the club network of over 200 private clubs, the best part, you don't even have to be a UNC alum. Everyone is welcome at the Carolina Club. Please visit carolina-club.com to learn more about your club at Carolina. Off and running in the 2020-2021 debut edition of the Courtney Banghart Show. From Learfield, IMG College. Welcome back to the Courtney Banghart Show. First of 14 shows this season in a virtual format. Matt Krause broadcasting from my home studio. Coach Banghart in her office We'll be taping these shows on Tuesdays during the season, so feel free to tweet me questions at Matt Krause PXP. We'll get them to the head coach of the Tar Heels. Again, that's at Matt Krause PXP. We'll make sure that Coach Banghart answers your question on an upcoming edition of her show. Okay, Coach, let's talk basketball because it is finally game week, and I think the biggest difference between Carolina's roster a season ago and the roster this season is the factor of depth. How much deeper is this team? Can you quantify? I can't. I mean, it's remarkable. It's it's t- a totally different atmosphere in that way. Um, you know, I think that's our strength, and arguably, it could also be our weakness because we need some more of our guys to emerge as as the got you know as the ones. But um, you know, I'm very comfortable with any of our twelve in the basketball game. I mean, I'm very comfortable, and that's pretty rare. Uh, last year, I, that obviously wasn't the case, and the season's too long. But more importantly, what that means is you don't have a way to hold kids accountable. And so if the effort on the transition on either side of the ball, if your accountability is on defense or uh, understanding what we're, what we're doing on offense and, and how we want to play together, if, if they're not doing that, um, it's so easy now. And I, I do it. Come on. And uh, you put a different guy in. And so, um, you know, that's going to allow us to, to our learning curve and our, our execution will continue to grow exponentially because all I'm looking for at any one time are five that can do it. 
five that can do it, but out of a roster of 12, let's talk about them. And we'll begin in the front court where there are some familiar faces, a couple of returning starters mm-hmm. in the preseason All-ACC selection, Janelle Bailey, and now sophomore Malou Chitenge. How have they improved in the month since your last game? You know, uh, I'll start with Janelle, and she's gotten herself in her best con- physical conditioning. Um, and so she knows that part of her mobility is going to be important if she wants to play at the next level um, because she doesn't have that, you know, 6'5 size that often that position has the pro le- at the pro level. So she's going to have to be able to stretch the floor more and going to have to be able to run more, and, and she's gotten herself physically ready to do that. So I think you'll notice that in terms of her up and down uh, pace. Um, and then Malou, you know, she played really limited last year in terms of her, you know, she was quite she was quite sore and, and a bit injured and didn't get a chance to really work on her skill work because we had to use all of her well-being for the games. Um, and so now we've really developed a left hand and a face-up game. She's much more comfortable in both of those areas. Um, so she's just more skilled um, as well as, of course, more experienced. So those two, we, we expect to, to get a lot from them again. You talk about depth, a couple of key freshmen in that regard in the front court, and Anya Poole out of Raleigh, Ali Zelaya coming all the way from Arizona to begin her career in Carolina Blue. How will that duo complement the returners? Oh, man, they are they are good. They are very good basketball players. Um, I think that, you know, if I – I don't know yet. Tomorrow's the game. I don't even know who's starting, but they'll, they could be one of them, and it could be one of them, a different one the next game, and it could be a different one the next game. I mean, that's sort of how, it, how much I like what they do. They both can stretch the floor better than what we've had. Um, in terms of both as a passing and a, a shooting. So they're more pick and pop threats as well as really efficient with their length in the low post. Um, Anya is one of the best rebounders I've coached. Um, and, and Zelaya is, reminds me a little bit of Kylie Shook from Louisville and a step out um, four and a guy that can also block a lot of shots and, and just stays really coachable. So those two kids are, are um, I think if they continue to progress at the level they are, they'll be pros. And that's super exciting for the fact they haven't even had a college basketball game yet. Um, and then, of course, Jalen Murray's back from injury, um, who can play kind of that 3-4. I think she's really important in a season like this because whereas some of the true posts are probably ahead of her in terms of things that they can do offensively um, and even defensively with their size, um, Jalen has, has been forced to kind of move to the three at times. And her overall experience in, in this program is allowing her to kind of ebb and flow across fluid positions. And um, we'll, we'll make sure that we utilize her strengths in that area as well. Not only is Jalen really versatile, but she's also probably the the biggest hype woman on the bench, I would think, right? Yeah, she's a kid you root for, you know, 100%. She's the best teammate we have, um, and that says a lot. I think that um, when this whole thing is over, um, what you'll think about, what your teammates will remember is the teammate you were. Um, they won't rem- you won't remember your stats, trust me. Um, and uh, she's one of the best teammates that we have, and um, I know that that is something that she takes great pride in, and and she should. Shifting gears a bit to the backcourt, the year 2020 has surprised a lot of folks. It's kind of the running joke is what surprise does 2020 bring next? But I'll tell you, for me, one of the biggest surprises of this entire year was learning in late June that Stephanie Watts was coming back to Chapel Hill for her sixth season. So I have to ask, what's the backstory behind bringing the former McDonald's All-American back home for a second stint at Carmichael? You know, I met with Steph before she transferred. I had gotten here. She had already decided she was transferring to um, to USC. And I met with her before she left and just said, you know, as an alum now of our program, you know, good luck out there and know that um, you're always welcome home. Um, having no idea she'd be injured and nor wanting that to happen, right? Well, then she gets injured. And to be honest, I had my hands full. I wasn't really paying attention to Steph Watts' performance over out in South, out in Southern California. So I didn't even know she had a sixth year. She wasn't even in the portal until June. And so then she goes in 
the portal and um, I get a call from her and I was like, and she was still in my phone as Steph Watts. And I was like, Steph Watts, how in the heck are you? You know, um, and that sort of began the conversations of what we would need if, if, if she, if I was to bring her back, what we would need from her. Um, and that was more than just her playing uh, style. It's, it's what, what you do in the locker room and, and how you lead a young group of guards um, and how coachable you are. If you want to be a pro, I can get you there. Um, but you got to work. Right. And I didn't know sort of what her mentality was going to be in terms of, I, I had made some changes in the roster that I thought were best for a program. And I didn't know what sort of side of that she'd be on. And um, she's been a gift, you know, she's obviously quite impactful on the floor. She's a high impact player um, on both ends, but I think she's approached this with real gratitude. And I think she recognizes that this is her home. And uh, so we're, we're thrilled to have her. And obviously her experience will be important and we need to, we need to keep her healthy. And she's not the only transfer on the roster. A couple coming from Big Ten country, including Petra Holoshinska out of the Czech Republic by way of the University of Illinois and Ariel Young, who joined your program midseason last year from Michigan. What's the report on each of them? First of all, that's the first time I've heard Petra's last name. I don't even know how to say it. So shout out to you, Matt. Um, you know, I've never, I've, I've never, I came from Princeton, as you guys all know, and we didn't even take transfers at Princeton, given that uh, um, the way the university was set up. And so I don't want you to think that I just, you know, I don't really value, I just kind of keep, keep rotating people through, but it, it made sense this year. And, and Petra was the leading scorer and a great sharpshooter from Illinois. And I met her through the recruiting process as well. Um, when she was in the portal, I reached out and, and we just built a really quick connection. And uh, huge credit to her, Matt, because she had to come without visiting campus. And she jokes with me that I didn't even really know how to flip my camera on FaceTime at that point. So <laughs> I was giving her a campus tour or a you know university tour, like while staring at the phone and trying to hold it out. I mean, it was just terrible. She jokes with me all the time, but but um, uh, she knew I, that she was someone who would be valued here, and, and she's been great. Kid can flat out shoot it. Um, she's as she's as competitive and gutsy as they come. Um, she's just so key. She's vocal. Um, she's been great with our young guards and she's just a, a breath of fresh air to be around. And then Ariel Young, um, again, was a top 100 player, started at Michigan um, and then made the change here. And, um, you know, what a the kid just, she's the first kid after, after in the gym every day. She's the last one to leave. She's the first kid after water breaks. She's just a coach's kid. As we know, her dad is the associate head coach at, um, at Florida State men's basketball. Um, so she's just, and her mom is one of the best players in all, all time at Auburn. So she's a basketball player's kid and um, she plays like that. And she's a coach's dream like that. That and um, I can't wait. You'll see her. Uh, you know, we'll, you'll see her very soon because she's finally eligible now that the first semester's over. And Petra actually did come to Chapel Hill for a, a quick one-off last year when Illinois played here in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So that's the answer to how I know how to pronounce her last name already. I had to deal with it for one game last season against the Fighting Illini, a big Carolina win in that matchup. Uh, when you do look at that transfer market, and you said it's, it's new for you being here at Carolina, it wasn't yeah. back here at Princeton. What do you look at in determining whether or not this transfer is going to be a good fit for the Tar Heels? Yeah, the conversations, those are often with just me to start. You know, I've got to really find out what they're looking for and, and why they left and, and um, you know, what um, – and the questions I ask are, are really pointed and they're long. My conversations with Steph Watts, we probably talked at least five times for over an hour every time. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, you like hoop? Me too. Come on. It's not, it's, it's not that. It's very much, you know, there's a reason that it didn't work at your previous institution. And I, I need to know more about that. I'm not pointing blame in any one way or the other, but I just need to understand the dynamic that you had with your coaching staff and with your team, um, the system that they played and how, how, might, how might that would have been a better fit. Um, I just wanted to be really thought out for them as well as for me. Um, and then a lot of film, you know, in Petro, we knew we needed someone who could space the floor. 
and who had the grittiness defensively. Um, and Ariel, we knew we needed, you know, a size in the wing spot and athleticism and, and physicality that we didn't have in the previous roster with some of the young guys. Um, so they just kind of fit also what we were looking for positionally. But yeah, those conversations are really, you know, it's a coveted spot to be at the University of North Carolina and be a basketball player. And um, they're not unlimited. So every spot you give, it's that's one less for somebody else. And so I take that very seriously. And um, I couldn't be happier with the three transfers we have. And three more freshmen that are going to see some very heavy playing time in the backcourt. Deja Kelly, named to the preseason All-ACC Newcomer Watch List. Additionally, Alyssa Uspi and Kennedy Todd Williams, a couple more freshmen there. I know you're really high on all three, especially their athleticism, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, you've been to a few practices as well, socially distanced, of course. I'm usually much, I'm a hugger, as you know, but I've had to just kind of fist pump you with six feet away. But um, yeah, these freshmen are, man, I just, I'm so grateful. I mean, they're just good. They're good at basketball. They want to be great. They're totally invested in the team. They're totally invested in being coached. I came into practice. We practiced about 9 a.m. last weekend because of football game. And, um, we, you know, our guys really like, like to go to the football games. So we always started to practice ahead of it. And it was early. And I got there about a half hour before. So I was there around 830. Um, well, I got down to the court around 830. And those freshmen, all five of them are on the court. You know, it's just how they are, right? They want to be great. So Alyssa Usby is probably our fastest kid. She's yet to lose. She's yet to not win every sprint we've had. And, and as you know, Watts is fast. So Alyssa can touch the rim. And she's north and south and east and west, just an elite athlete um, and just an elite competitor. Um, and then Kennedy Todd Williams is Scotty Pippen. So in terms of her length, in terms of her skill set, in terms of her sort of willingness to be a contributor in all areas of the game like Scotty Pippen, she's going to be just a, she's a stud and just an awesome kid to love. Uh, and then Deja Kelly, I mean, what hasn't she done? I mean, she scored 3000 points in high school for a reason. She's fearless with the ball. She's skilled. She can make shots. Um, you know, she's, uh, the offense is in her hands. That's a, that's a big job. And uh, she is, she's still adjusting to college pace. She's still adjusting, adjusting to the rigor of our game um, and some of the things that, that happen quickly. Um, but, you know, she's a McDonald's all American for a reason. And I'm excited for her to be, uh, have a chance to finally play in some games. Because part of what she's got to do, Matt, is learn, learn on the fly. And last but not least, there's Kennedy Tucker, sophomore who played in every game last season off the bench. How do you measure a player like that's progress from her first season to the second go-round? I think the first way you do it is you just, you, you, in a way, I don't think her year was as good as she would have wanted it, either inside the lines or, or even just how approachable, how, how much she committed to competing and, and, and coming in prepared every day. Um, she's a totally different person. She is a totally different person. I trust her. Um, we need her. She's incredibly coachable. She brings a lot of uh, voice now. Like she's actually vocal. Um, she brings along her teammates. You judge it. You judge a team by how many people on the court make other people better. Um, and she takes great pride. That's her job is to make everybody around her better. Um, and she's, as you know, she's tough as can be. So, um, you know, I, I am so glad that, that, that we kept Kennedy Tucker and I'm so glad that she has brought a better version of herself to us. It's a full roster breakdown from the head coach of the Tar Heels, Courtney Banghart. It's her show, The Courtney Banghart Show, brought to you by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, the official health insurance partner of Carolina Athletics, reminding you to practice your three W's, wear, wait, and wash. We resolve to keep North Carolina healthy. Back with more after this from Learfield IMG College. Moving on to the Courtney Banghart Show, the first edition here for the 2020-2021 season. Matt Krause and the head coach of the Tar Heels herself. Three games on the docket this week for Carolina. We'll break down the trio of mid-major opponents on our next segment. 
But quickly, Coach, how did this non-conference schedule come together? It was kind of late in the process. You had a draft schedule ready to go in the pre-COVID world, but mm-hmm. then having to put together a five-game schedule almost on the fly. What was that process like? I give a lot of credit to Adrian Walters on my staff. That was That's his job is to schedule appropriately. And we threw a lot of curveballs at him because of COVID. And, you know, we, we tried looking at places like Georgia and Auburn and, and places that we could feasibly drive to and still get a high major opponent. Um, you know, and they had their own challenges of making that happen as well with dates and whatnot. Um, and so we knew we weren't going to be able to fly necessarily to ensure that to decrease the most risk we could have. Uh, we tried to get at least one on the road. We tried to get Charlotte on the road. Um, but the mid-majors appreciate the opportunity to play in Carmichael. I get it. Um, and so we kept it very regional. We played three out of five. As you know, it's it's a lot of games to start your season, but we knew a lot of family was going to get a chance to maybe be here. This is, again, before we knew the spike. Um, so we wanted to do that for them. But also, we're one of the few teams that have to play four games uh, in the ACC starting on December 10th. So we start a, a game earlier than most of the league. So we've got a shortened window to get the other five in. Um, and it's not really a game, Matt, a season where you want to underschedule because you have to get 13 games in to be NCAA tournament eligible. Um, and so if we can get through this weekend, that would be three. And you only need 10 more. So, um, yeah, basically they had to be regional. They had to pass our testing protocol, which is uh, three tests, um, test three times a week. Um, and they had to be able to have open dates that we wanted to have. And then and they, you, know, you got it. You hinted a little bit at the fact that you don't really know who the starting lineup is going to be for game number one, and you have yeah. these three games in a week. Does that give you a chance to be somewhat of a basketball mad scientist and mess around with some different lineup combinations throughout the three games in a short period of time? Yeah, so what it's called is scripting, and what you do is is that you sort of have a your first five group, and then you script it ahead of time where you say at the at the – after four, you know, maybe four minutes or six minutes, these these two guys are going in, regardless of how the game is going, right? And then at the seven minute mark, these three guys are going in, regardless how. Um, and you sort of script the first quarter so that you ensure that you kind of see different see different lineups and whatnot. And you kind of do that over the course of a three game a three game series. Um, it allows people to settle in a little bit to know that what's to come, because for most of those names, because if you add Petra and uh, Ariel then seven of the, of the people have never been called into a game by, by me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a little bit of stress that, that comes with that. But, um, yeah, we'll, 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 you'll see a lot of different arrangement of lineups. I don't know if the starting lineup matters as much as it did last year because that was your group. Um, our group will continue to be fluid this year, so not sure how much it matters. I've got to figure out, do I want to have some freshmen in that lineup? We will certainly start at least two freshmen, maybe more. Um, and, and that's partly because they're game ready and they give us the best chance on both sides of the ball to be helpful um, right now. But it also means that we're not then putting in five freshmen at one time, or maybe that's how they're best. Maybe the second game you put all five freshmen in together. I, I don't know. Um, we'll kind of, we're continuing the process through that, through our film and, and through the conversations we're having with them. What do you expect to learn about your team through that whole scripting process and playing these three games in a week? You know, you've got to figure out who um, you got to be patient as a coach with a young team, Matt. I mean, you got to win every game on the schedule. Otherwise you're not, you're not doing your job. Um, and so that's what we're aiming to win every game that we can play. But at the same time, we've got to make sure that um, you put your young guys in a position to be um, confident and successful and um, understanding that part of that is under that they got to play through things a little bit and you got to be a little patient. So um, I think what it does is ensures that, that you try different lineups and that you understand who plays the four better, who plays the five better and, and, and how many of these, um, these freshmen can be and sophomores and, and younger guys and even older guys that are transfers, how are they able to sustain the concentration of fluid play? Remember, we've had no scrimmages this year. 
So, uh, you know, the, the concentration that, that a fluid game requires is, is elite. And, I, you know, I don't know how we're going to do that. I, I, I really don't. So um, it just allows us to stay nimble. Outside the lines, something fans will see this season is that your program is embracing the idea of bigger than basketball and using the platform of being college athletes and coaches to help raise awareness of various social issues. Can you walk us through how those conversations came about, uh, especially in a very volatile year in this country where a lot of political situations were brought to the forefront, social Mm -hmm. situations brought to the forefront? How did you handle those conversations? Yeah, I think a couple different ways. I think it's first recognizing that it's not necessarily just um, the social politics. Um, It's really areas of need and causes that impact our community, right? And so the one that's sort of the hot topic that that obviously has a lot of legs as needed is the Black Lives Matter movement, right? But there also is Down syndrome awareness and there's uh, mental health awareness and there's Alzheimer's awareness and there's there's pride and there's uh, gun violence and the first one is food insecurity. I felt like it was a, the right time to address food insecurity, which, you know, we, we, we created these snack bags for Plate, uh, who's an organization that gives out um, snack bags. That those will go out today on, on behalf of, of Carolina women's basketball. Um, and so the, the theme is, is the concept of educating and activating. So the players, we got together with them and figured out what causes were most in our impact their own personal communities or our community at, at large. Um, they will be responsible for the educational component of that. Um, and then we work together to find the service component and there will be always be those two areas every week. Um, and so it, I know that the word platform makes people feel like some say, just play the game. That's what you're supposed to do. And, and we will, that's what we're going to do. We're going to play the game, but I have a really unique, um, we're a really unique sport, Matt. We've got uh, a lot of sports are regional and the people on the teams look the same. Uh, basketball and football are two of the most national sports we have. They're loved in every area, the same um, city, small town, west, east, midwest, north, doesn't matter, south. Um, And there's all different socioeconomic backgrounds. There's all different religious backgrounds. There's all different racial backgrounds. I mean, it's just, it's a sport of true diversity and um, the opportunity that we have to be an example of the different things, the different areas in our, in our own individual communities, as well as our larger community that impact our team and give it awareness and education and service. Um, And so, Food insecurity, followed by Black Lives Matter, Down syndrome awareness. Those are our first, um, our first three major causes, um, and you'll see them all throughout the year. And I'm really proud of our team. I know they're really excited about it. And as you said, food insecurity, the first cause that's being spotlighted on the eve of Thanksgiving, but then Saturday and Sunday's cause will be the Black Lives Matter movement. What does that movement mean to you as a coach, a leader, and an American? Man, it's a great question. I think first understanding, I get like, I have like tingly feelings because black, what Black Lives Matters means is just what it says. The lives of black, uh, our black community matter. And it, I don't think that's a political statement. I think it's a human statement. I, I just, I think that that's really important. And um, it also means that it's honoring and it's acknowledging is a better word that, that um, systemic racism, racism, um, it has to stop. And it stops by first accepting that, it, that it's here and that it exists and then working really hard to ensure that it doesn't continue to exist. Um, I've never been racist um, and I'm, I'm glad for that. I was raised well, um, but through the work I've done, I realized that it's not enough for us, us um, in the white community not to be racist. It's, I'm fully committed to being an anti-racist um, and I'm all in for the marathon that, that ensures that um, the people that I coach, people that I recruit in the world that I live in, that, um, that they hear me say and they watch me do that their life matters. Um, I don't, and I hate the people co- uh, 
start to think that that's political. I don't think it is. I think it's really humanistic. And I know that that has some legs to the politics and all that. And that's great. That, that, that maybe for somebody else, for me, it's honoring that Black Lives Matter. Wise words from the head coach of Carolina women's basketball, Courtney Banghart, on her show, Courtney Banghart Show. Normally, we're at the Carolina Club. Not this year. We can still remind you, though, that the Carolina Club is your social membership club in Chapel Hill and your connection to fellow Tar Heels and Friends of Carolina. The club offers exceptional dining and unbeatable location for UNC sporting events, full calendar of social, business, family, and community affairs, and access to the club network of over 200 private clubs. The best part, you don't even have to be a UNC alum. Everyone is welcome at the Carolina Club. Please visit carolina-club.com to learn more about your club at Carolina. A full breakdown of Carolina's opponents comes your way on our final segment of the show. It's next from Learfield IMG College. Back in the Courtney Banghart Show, one more reminder that Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina is the official health insurance partner of Carolina Athletics, and they're reminding you to practice your three W's. Wear a face covering, wait six feet apart, and wash your hands frequently. Blue Cross and Blue Shield resolves to keep North Carolina healthy. Well, Coach, Radford, UNCG, and High Point on the schedule. Radford's Highlanders, the first opponent, Mike McGuire's club, picked second in the Big South preseason poll, and they'll be opponent number one. What's the breakdown on Radford? Well, first off, just a really quickly a, a gratitude to my people, right? I mean, I think I said it today at our full staff meeting. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of work goes into the first game, right? The recruiting that that requires, this COVID, uh, my training staffs had to be all over it. Um, the cause game initiative, obviously, Tori and, and Meg have had to really take that on. Um, and then I've got new staff that had to take this job without ever seeing campus. And they just had to hit the ground running and, and they've done it. So we are ready to kind of put our forces together and, and go against somebody else. And, and Radford is one of those teams that um, it might not mean a lot to people in terms of the name of their team on the, on the front of their shirt. Um, but they're a basketball. They have a lot of pride in their basketball tradition. And they were they won 20 games last year, I think, or very close. Um, and they're just they're going to try to spread us out. They're athletic. They've got pride um, and they've had success. And I think when you add those things together, um, the opportunity that they have to come into Carmichael, um, that's not lost on them. And so we know we'll get their best. And and uh, I've got a young group and I hope that they're, they're um, the work we put in allows them to, to honor the game the right way and play it as hard as they can. Yeah, with the cancellation of the 2020 NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament, Radford is still the most recent Big South team to play an NCAA tournament game, which they did in 2019. Then UNCG comes in on Saturday. The Spartans, one of three co-champions in the Southern Conference a season ago. They lost a lot of pieces, but Trina Patterson's club, you can expect them to be well-coached and really fired up to play the Tar Heels on Saturday, can't you? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, she's done. I, Trina's one of the coaches I have a lot of respect for in our game. I mean, she just her teams are prepared, and they play within themselves really well, um, and they – and they don't back down. It's hard to teach toughness. It really is. And you say you recruit it. It's like, yeah, but then college requires a different toughness than high school did. So you've got to instill it. And um, she's just, she does that year after year. So we'll know we, we've got a, a tough, formidable opponent um, that, again, is used to winning. And so they have an opportunity to come into Carmichael. And that's something they're going to take seriously. A similar situation to High Point on Sunday. The last time that High Point was on the floor for a game was their regular season finale last year. Coach, they hit 16 threes in that game (laughs) against UNC Asheville. And getting hot from behind the arc is a way that some of these mid-major teams can hang around and certainly test your team, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they're going to play a system that we're not used to. As you know, we're built um, still a little bit bit more – size dominant in the post. And so um, they want to spread us out and play more of a five out 
um, where they'll have a bunch of different off-ball screening actions and try to create a shot from that or have isolations off the drive. So, you know, we're not super built for a five-on-five outside of the arc type team, um, but it's a two-way it's a two-way street. They're going to have to guard us, and this year we can play small, whereas we really couldn't last year. So we can also match. I think their small ball pretty good, um, but we also to not utilize our size and, and, and strength both in the post and then in the, on the glass, and then even in our in our um, in our own um, dribble attack would be crazy. So uh, two very different styles on Sunday, that's for sure, and then we'll we'll hope that our, our style. Uh, is the one and to year two for Chelsea Banbury on the lead bench there in the furniture city and year two for the head coach, the Tar Heels, Courtney Banghart coach, what will a successful week look like for Carolina when you sit down Sunday night with three games, hopefully in the rear view? Yeah. You know, I think it's, you got to win, right? You, you play games to win and um, you recruit to, to get players here that can win and you coach to develop winning habits. And so your goal is to win. Um, but at the same time, understanding that it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, it's as so long as we get better. Um, you know, we haven't had any scrimmage, so, you know, you kind of don't know what you don't know yet. Um, but success for me would be at the end of the weekend, I know what the, what the next steps are to get this team better. Um, and uh, true success on top of that would be to win three games. And even amidst a pandemic in week number one of the college basketball regular season, Thursday is Thanksgiving, cliche question, but what are you thankful for this year, Coach? You know, I'm thankful for a lot of things, but one thing I'm really thankful for is this team. This has been a really hard beginning for them to enter college in this way, um, a very different way. Carolina's got such a great ethos, and they haven't really been able to experience it, and they've just stayed the course. Um, they've, my staff has stayed the course. My, my players have stayed the course. Um, and then collectively, with all that's going on in the world, they're, they're such a good example that um, – that America's best days are ahead. They really are. Um, we just have to continue to, to walk the walk, um, and, and my group's doing that. So uh, really cliche, but I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful for this particular team because I wouldn't this – is, this is not something – this is not an easy thing to go through, and thank God I love 1 through 12 with, with all my heart. Well, Coach, we really appreciate your flexibility in getting the Courtney Banghart Show on the air this season, albeit in a virtual format. One down, 13 to go. Thanks for the time today. Uh, Matt, it's always a pleasure. And I know a lot of people are listening in and, um, you know, we, we feel your love. You've done a lot for us and your support. And I know you're there from afar. So uh, go Heels. Next show coming up next week. We'll tape it Tuesday. Look for it Wednesday morning in the Tar Heel Voices podcast feed. This has been the Courtney Banghart Show from Learfield IMG College. Coach Banghart Live has been brought to you by the Carolina Club, your social and business club in Chapel Hill, and your connection to fellow Tar Heels and friends of Carolina. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Tar Heel Sports Network.